127 on the mic exists simply as an extension of our college ministry 127 at FBC Bryan. Our prayer is that this podcast be used in accordance with you belonging and investing into a local body. We hope that this resource is growing in a relationship with and understanding of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yo, 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 what it do, podcast This room feels a little little empty today. Yo. It's not December 21st for us, but it is December 21st for you. Mm, The listener. The the Matrix. Yeah, it is the Matrix. It's Mm. the power of pre-recording and pre-uploading and sending it out. Um, And I'm I'm joined by just Caleb today, which is just fun. And when you're listening, you would expect John to be there on the 21st. But he's actually not here on the 14th. Yeah. Because he will be on the 21st. He probably will be here on the 21st. So I that's feel like he's crazy. I feel like he's here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check this real fast. But uh, we were talking baseball. <laughs> yeah. Because this is what we do. If, if yeah. you know us. Yeah, you know, we, we like baseball. Yeah. most A lot of our conversations revolve around sports and Jesus. And let me explain why partly, partially that is. When I say this, please hear me that I'm I'm not Zach and I are not trying to be like we know everything. I don't for sure. But we know baseball, right? Yeah. We know baseball and and it's because we played it, we've watched it for years. And our takes are usually pretty true and pretty accurate. Except my playoff takes last year. I, I, did a sa- takes. I did a safe bet and it yeah. did not pan out. Last year, for those wondering, Zach, in the beginning of the playoffs, I think when the wild card was it, like was day one. First wild card games, I said Astros Braves. Yeah. And so, which like all things considered, the last Astros, year after one game, he said Astros Phillies. And it did happen. And it happened. So, so don't give him a lot of grief for saying Astros Braves because again, let's be honest. They were the favorites. They were the favorites. Astros, Braves. It's not like a super risky pick. Now, if I had told you I had said Rangers, Diamondbacks, obviously nobody would have believed you because yeah. nobody said that. You didn't say that either. Uh, I want to say I think my prediction was like... I think you did say the Rangers or I, the Orioles. I forget. I think I said... I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I was a homer and was like Rangers, but I think in the NL, I definitely said Braves. Yeah. Or uh, I think I may have said Phillies. Okay. Uh, but like... I, I, obviously nobody had the Diamondbacks going and honestly should they have made it to the World Series no because yeah. we we made them look like they were a, a minor league team they they are so for the playoffs they are yeah I playoff structure for me just gets me frustrated but yeah we've had debates about this <laughs> so we won't bore you with that but but Shohei signing with the Dodgers record-breaking deal yeah was was wild 700 M's and you see that he put it off until uh I heard it's not actually, it doesn't do much as far as how much it's getting paid because of sponsorships, but I, I, I so this like is you're what about I to saw. drop a hot take. This is what I saw. I saw the thing where it's kind of like a Bobby Vanilla thing. Yeah, you know that the whole situation? I don't know if I do. I think, I think his name is Bobby Vanilla, where he basically was def, like deferred his money, it, but it was kind of like a Ponzi scheme where he was basically being paid like a, a million dollars for the next like 30 years. Yeah. And it began in like 1998. Not saying that it's a Ponzi scheme with Shohei, but. From what I saw, he's being paid $2 million each year for the 10 years of his yeah. deal that he's playing with the Dodgers. And in the 10 years after. He'll be paid the, the other $68 million a year, which yeah. honestly, my, my honest opinion is it, it seems like cheating to me. 
And this is the reason why, because now they have the cap space to be able to pay oh, yeah. whoever they want. Well, that's why, that's why he did that. Right. Because and he wants to win. Right. And so now it gives you like, again, if they do trade for Tyler Glass now and they need to make an extension in the future or say they go after Yamamoto, they can pay Yamamoto probably 200 million yeah. because that money for Shohei isn't going to be used until you know, 2035, which yeah. that obviously creates a, a future problem where you're probably going to be paying somebody that's not on your roster, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate, but I don't really love it. But again, I think I will say just in general with the 700 million thing, is it worth it? Yes. And the reason I will say it's really? worth it is because not even just from a player, like you of the production you get, because you have to spend money to make money Yeah. and baseball, as much as we hate it, baseball is a business and what they did by signing Shohei Otani for $700 million is they just won the entire country of Japan over. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, think about how much revenue they've probably already made in jersey sales for Shohei to the Dodgers uh, in, the, in the last week. I mean, clearly they're going to be okay when it comes to the money. So, sure, they spent $700 million, but they're, they're probably going to be making $7 billion oh, yeah. in in revenue. I mean, it just, it, it yeah. you know. I mean, L.A., the Dodgers specifically are already a big market team. Yeah. And you saw when he was on the angels, the, the advertising in the back was yeah. all, was all his home country. Yeah. It, because that's, those are the only people watching the angels games. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> we're, we're people from his hometown. Yeah. I mean, I saw, I think I saw a stat that said that half of the viewership went down oh, yeah. for the angels games when, when he got hurt, when he got hurt. Yeah. And like, honestly, it makes sense because the angels without Shohei Otani were terrible. Yeah. I mean, uh, other than Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, the entire Angels roster was like either hurt, hitting under like 220 yep. or something. Like it was just, it was a nightmare. Season. Nice. And they, I want to say they were 71 and 91. I, I would not be surprised if the Angels were worse than oh, yeah. the Athletics next year, yeah. which it is might a happen. stretch. It might happen. It, it may happen. Yeah. So I agree with you. Baseball, you know, it's crazy. It's baseball. It's a, it's a story it's, that it's, I could talk about for hours. It's, it's part of yours. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah, we when we started this podcast, we I, th- I want to say it's the first episode of just like kind of laying some some expectations of us, but also some of our hopes and dreams was was just sharing stories on here, um, testimonies, especially of, of people within our ministry, uh, people on the podcast um, and things like that. And so um, with with John being out and and this being an interesting season about a year ago for you. Um, I thought this would be an excellent time, our first testimony on the podcast. Um, and so congrats for that. Um, but also I think just an excellent time to, to share a story. Um, and I know it'll be, be rooted and grounded in the faithfulness of God. And so I just want to give you the floor, um, and, and give you some, some space to share your testimony. I mean, from, from birth until now and, um, some, some key moments in your life that, that God has shifted some interests and expectations and hopes and dreams and, and all that involved. So. The floor, the floor is yours, Kayla Mullins. Yeah. Uh, so, well, we can we can start at birth. It's not not a not a bad place to start. Um, <laughs> was born into a family where it was the second child born. Um, I now have six siblings, which I know a lot of people you listening are like, "Whoa, that's a lot of kids." So yeah, there's seven of us. Um, Perfect number. Thankfully, they're not they're not all like me because I know I'm a little crazy. <laughs> uh, but my dad from birth was a youth pastor. And so we, my dad started out at, or again, started out when I was born at, I think it was Park Lake Baptist church at the time. And so he was the, the youth pastor. And so we lived basically in that, I think it's in Saxe Rockwall area. Mm. 
uh, for like five years, excuse me. And then my dad senses a call to, to be a full-time pastor, like senior pastor basically. And so uh, at the age of like six or seven, we moved from Saxe to Red Oak, Texas, or really Rocket, Texas, which again is like 45 minutes southeast of Dallas. He gets the the job as the senior pastor. And so um, what you're going to hear in that is that we always grew up in church, like every week, you know, twice a week at least on Sunday and Wednesday. Um, sometimes we'd go up there with him, with my dad, during the week. And so I, I always was was in church. And so I think when my, my faith really became real for me, it was around, I think, sophomore year of high school, junior year of high school. And I think for the longest time before that, it was just kind of my parents' faith. It was not super um, touching my heart. Like I, I believed these things, but it didn't really affect the way that I lived. Yeah. Um, and when I say I believed these things, I, I think it was just kind of like a mental and mm-hmm. academic, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Right. And yet all this time, like the, the Bible, I've seen so clearly in the last like six or seven years that that an academic um faith really I, I hate using that word but an academic like acceptance yeah. of the bible is not a biblically rounded g- rooted faith that saves yeah. a biblically rooted faith is is a heart posture and so i think again that my my faith really became real for me i think junior or sophomore year of high school when i began to just see through reading god's word that that these things were true and I, and I fully believed them in my heart. I, I wanted them in my heart. I wanted to know the Lord in my heart. And so I think, again, that was really my, my first story of my testimony. You know, I think um, when we think about our testimony, we always, we, we tend to think of what God has um, done in us w- when we were saved. Right. And that's kind of where we start. Mm-hmm. And yet I think it's so important in your testimony to always go back to the beginning because God is is beyond time. God has, has provided for you from your birth. Like before you were maybe truly saved in your opinion, you you were being provided for and nurtured and loved yep. by God. And so I think really my, my story, what, what Zach is alluding to a year ago, is if you don't know me, again, I uh, like I said, I grew up in the church. My dad's a pastor. I, growing up, I kind of always wanted to um, be an athlete until I realized I was going to be 5'10 and, um, 160 pounds. And so hey, you I, still got a chance. Still yeah. A chance. Don't listen to those, these lies. <laughs> the only sport I have a chance at ever becoming pro in is climbing. And I didn't start at the age of four. And yeah. so there's no way, but all that being said, I thought I was going to be an athlete until that collapsed. Then I thought I was going to be a broadcaster, uh, which if, when was that? What, what age age range was that? So I think I wanted to be. So I think that was probably from like twelve or thirteen when I realized ath, my my athlete wasn't going to work out. Yeah. So probably like fifteen or sixteen. Okay. And then I I started to realize that I don't know maybe like this that, I think that's just a hard thing to get into for mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Because uh, like from what I understood the 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 main way to get into broadcasting and sports radio is like journalism yep. and stuff like that. And I think that was just a lot, you know, more difficult of a, a thing to get into. And so at that age, I kind of realized, okay, well, like I don't really know what I'm going to do. And so when I was in high school, I always, you know, worked hard at school. I always was, was really good at school. And so I, when I went to college at Texas A&M, I, I was a math major 
And for the first year or so, I, I realized, okay, I'm really, really good at math. I love math. Maybe I'll, I'll teach math, right? Yeah. Second year, I'm, I'm kind of still thinking that that's the calling, that's the plan for my life, but I'm not super um, passionate about like doing it. I, was, I wasn't super passionate about going and subbing at schools. I wasn't really working very hard at um, you know, planning for the next step of yeah. my life. And so when it came to you know, my last semester, Zach mentioned on a previous episode that I, I graduated in two and a half years, which was good for me in some senses. But one of the things that wasn't very good about it was that after two years, normally you're, you're kind of slowly figuring out, okay, maybe this is what I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm. But after those two years, I kind of had to have a really, really concrete plan because I only had one more semester left. Yeah. Right. And so in that fall of 2022, Mm -hmm. I, I was beginning to, to realize and, and think about, okay, well, I, I kind of have to make up my mind at this point. And so that whole semester, I started started subbing at schools. I started just thinking a lot more about teaching and, and applications and state testing and all those things. And yet I didn't have peace, right? I, I would go and I would sub and I would do these things. And I, again, I always believe that I love math. I've always been good at it. And yet there just wasn't really a joy in, in doing that. There wasn't a passion in doing that. And so I, I was confused. I was really like uh, conflicted for so for so long, for months. And thankfully, I was able to go home for, for I think it was for Thanksgiving around November time. And I, I had a conversation with my parents and I was just, you know, sitting there talking to them of, you know, what I think my calling is. Because again, I had at that point, I think I had like three or four weeks left mm -hmm. until I graduate. Like, what am I doing? Right. And growing up, my dad had always said, you know, I, it would be really, really nice if if one of you guys wanted to do um, ministry in the future. Of course, referencing myself and my brother. And for the longest time, I was I was like, no, like I don't really like want to do that. Like I don't really think I'm gifted in that way. And yet, when I had that conversation with my parents, I, I had to realize like God, the calling thing that we that we talk about is so. Um, ambiguous in a lot yeah. of ways right and, and so i realized it's a heavy term too it's a heavy term and, yeah. and so i want to i want to first mention something that a lot of times we as christians because we we realize and it's a good realization we we believe that god is holy right and that and that's a amazing thing to believe that's that's the truth yeah right and because god is holy we we understand that our lives as christians have to matter like yeah. we cannot just be living for nothing we as Christians must live for the kingdom of God. And so when I say that, I think a lot of well-meaning Christians think that their their future, that their job, that their their work has to just be this heavenly calling. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's not, but what I mean is that a lot of people think that that their work has to just like God has to literally speak a word of this is what you're going to do with your life. And if, if that doesn't happen for you, then then God didn't call you to do something mm. or God didn't call you to that job. And let me just tell you, that's not really in the Bible where it, where God only orchestrates through the spoken word. Like he uses your gifts and your talents and your passions. And so in that conversation with my parents, I realized, thankfully to my parents, that that I wasn't experiencing joy and peace in that in that job, in that future, in, in, in teaching and subbing, because that wasn't, wasn't what God made me passionate about. Yeah. And that was okay. And I had to realize that. And I realized in that moment that what did God make me passionate about? I, I had to reflect, as we talked about on a previous episode, 
I, I was reflecting on the fact that one of the passions God had given for me in, in my whole time in college and even growing up was my love for God's word. Like if, if you know me, if, if, you, if you've had any conversations with me, I, I hope that what you've <laughs> seen in me is that I love God's word. Yeah. Right. And, and I realized in that moment that clearly that was from God. It, it wasn't that, you know, I've, I've heard this illustration where uh, a lot of people are thinking that God is going to reveal their future to them by just giving them a message in their their Cheerios, right? Yeah. You know where the you have a bowl of Cheerios where you close your eyes and all of, all of a sudden they appear in like a, a phrase or a yeah, word. Yeah, it, it, uh, you know, you close your eyes and you open it up and it says doctor in your Cheerios. And yeah. you're just like, oh, thank oh you God. Like I, and now I know what I'm going to do with my life. Yeah, yeah. And that's such a small box that you're putting God in. Mm-hmm. Because what you're saying is, is that God can only speak to you through, through crazy experiences. And, and what I mean by that is I'm not saying, again, I'm not neglecting that God doesn't work in that way because yeah. he does. But what I'm saying is, is that God has given you passions and desires for a purpose and walk in them. Because not all of those passions and desires are sinful. And so in my, in my calling, in my, in my aspiration, I realized that God gave me a passion for his word. And I love teaching his word. And that, that's what I love to do. And so clearly that is what God has called me to do or God has, has placed on my life as a future yeah. because that's what I'm passionate about. Hmm. And so in, in any of my conversations with college students, my, my hope when, when you tell me, you know, what, what, do you, what do you think I should do with my life? My question is almost always going to be, well, what are you passionate about? Yeah. What do you love doing? Because if, if you don't love doing something, then you're going to be miserable in your life. Yeah. And, and hear me when I say this, that, if, if you're not going to love doing ministry, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to be working at a church to be living in your God-ordained calling, yeah. right? Because there are well-meaning Christians that love um, the workplace. I'm going to, I saw on, on Facebook the other day, I'm going to shout you out, Connor, Connor White, if you're listening, I don't know if you listen to this, but I saw your, your uh, post the other day that you're applying to vet school mm. and you had some interviews. And clearly, if you've had any conversations <laughs> with him, yeah, that's he, what loves, he loves about. animals. He's so passionate about them. And that is God-given. Mm-hmm. And it would be a shame for him to say, I, I need some sort of like God-spoken word in my mind or something super, super physic, physical in front of me to, yeah. to clear, clear it up that I'm going to vet school. No, yeah. he loves animals. Like, it's so clear that God has given that passion to him, and he's going to walk in it. Yeah. And so really, that, that hopefully for, for you listening, that really is just something that was clear in my head where I had to stop fighting what I was passionate about Yeah. and really just walk in it. Yeah. I saw this uh, YouTube, not, it was a, I think it was a short, um, and the context within the scripture, I don't know if it applies specifically, but uh, Colossians 3.23 Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And I think it, this applies really well to calling or aspiration or whatever that looks like, that no matter what you do, you have this this basis and this motivation um, that you serve towards. Um, no matter if you're, like we talked about going into vet school, if you're uh, passionate about ministry, if you have no idea what you're doing, Whatever you do, whatever conversation you have, whatever homework assignment you do, all of it. And that's that's something that frustrates me too. Is um, I, I joke about all the time of 
you know, studying and not studying and all these things, um, of just being a calm major and I don't try hard. Um, but whatever you do, whatever season of life you're in, as you go home and you steward conversations, as you celebrate Christmas with family, as you have hard conversations with family, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, um, whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that you're kind of heading on that I think we need to hold on to. Yeah. And, and again, I just want to be super honest and super vulnerable. Like when I went home that, that Thanksgiving time, again, I, I was just very unsure. Yeah. Like I had thought for the longest time in college that because I loved math, that it was clear that God was telling me um, to, to go and teach math. Mm. And yet again, when I subbed at the schools in Bryan, I just didn't have a lot of peace and um, joy for that is that I thought I would. Mm. Um, and so again, I was just very, very unsure. Yeah. And I, I want to say one of the things that my, my parents said that stuck with me, um, cause at the time too, I was, again, I was about to graduate. I was kind of figuring out, well, like what does, you know, am I, am I going to have to move? Mm. What's my next job going to be? Like I have to grow up and I'm not really ready for it. Yeah. Um, and so I think just in that, like, I, I think part of it too, is I, I was, um, I think part of it was just I'd, I was frustrated that, to be honest, I had like not found anybody in college yet. I was I was still single. Yeah. Uh, I, I, again, I didn't know what I was going to do, and my whole life just felt like a wreck. Mm. And one of the things that my my parents had said to me, and hopefully this helps too, but I know that it's not really super related. But you know, when I was desiring to find a wife, right, my my dad said to me, "Well, why would God give you a wife when you not e- you're not even sure what your life is going to look like yet?" Like you don't even really know what you're going to do as a future, as a job. And so it would be unkind for God to give you somebody right now when you're not even certain of what you're doing. Yeah. And so I think again, like my, my, um, my hope for you listening that are struggling with calling, you're struggling with your testimony. Again, realize what God has given you as passions and hobbies and, and dreams and desires. Yeah. Because again, like, Christ says to ask for anything in his name and it will be granted to you. And I think a lot of times we, we don't really believe that. We don't really believe that, that Jesus loves us that much. Yeah. And hear me when I say that I'm not saying that all of your dreams and all of your desires and all of the things that you want to do with your life are going to be accomplished. Mm. Yes. We, we, we say that deny your, deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. Mm. But at the same time, again, God is, is pretty clear in, the creation of human beings, right? That the things he, you know, gave to certain people, the gifts he has given people, he plans for them to walk in them, yeah. right? It would be a neglect, again, for for my own life, right? Like I've seen just the, so much the last year when I had that conversation with my parents. I then I had a conversation with John about um, what residency looked like here. And I started my residency in January and in that first month and in, in the coming months after that, when I've had the experience to be able to teach on stage the Bible or God's word or, or preach, I've had so much clarity and how much so much joy. Why? Because I see that my gifts that God has given me are being used well and yeah. they're blessing other people and, and they're not being put to shame. Mm. And, I'm, and I'm enjoying getting to teach, right? Yeah. And so again, I think that that's a, the marker in your head for anyone listening with their testimony is if you're worried about what you're going to do in the future is when you do these things, does it bring you joy? Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have to lie to yourself about that. 
Yep. Because again, like I, I love kids. I, I serve in the kids ministry here uh, every Wednesday and some Sundays when I can. But did I want to teach um, math at a junior high level? And was I enjoying it? Not really. That doesn't mean that I don't love kids. That doesn't mean that I don't love God. But it's just that's not the way that he's gifted me and, and made me to to be passionate about. And so really just be honest with yourself. Yeah. How how right now are you walking in um, sort of this aspiration as you talked about of of being a, a full-time pastor? Obviously, you're in, you're in a residency role, which yeah. looks a little bit different. Um, how are you walking in sort of the hope of looking forward but staying here in the moment of, of serving faithfully where God has placed you um, even now? Like, how do you how do you balance those two ideas of, you, you, you know where God is calling you because you've, you've preached and this is, it's a yeah. clear calling. Um, calling is a, again, a strong term there, but aspiration, like God is clearly guiding you in this way. Um, but it's not the, your reality currently. Like, how do you, how are you currently walking through that? Yeah. And I, I would encourage anybody that's listening, um, that, that hopes to be in ministry in the future and maybe has a desire to, to be some sort of um, minister again, um, to be a pastor. And I would again encourage you to just think about, uh, we read this book recently, Zach's, Zach's still reading right now, but I, I read it recently and it was, um, I forget what it was ta- titled, but the, it was, the path to being a pastor or something like that. Yeah, the path to being a pastor. Think, and so he, in his book, I want to say his name is uh, Jonathan Lehman or, was, or it might've been somebody, no, it was Bobby Jameson. But Bobby Jameson, he he talks about in the book that those words that we were using of yeah, it's the past oh, being pastor. a lot of times, again, when we think about, you know, being called to ministry, right? We think of like church camp where, you know, we had some sort of super spiritual experience and we realized, man, like the kingdom of God is worth it. I want to, I want to build my life on that. Right. Yeah. And so we think that it's this, this huge calling. And yet in his book, he, he claims, and he, I think proves that we should as Christians, Think about the the pastoring or the the ministry role as more of something we aspire to. What I and what do I mean by that? Well, when we say we're called to be in ministry, right? We that's pretty common. Well, I'm called to the ministry. Yeah. When we say that, we assume a few things. First, we assume that we are gifted in that way, or that we are going to be gifted in that way. Now, what do I mean by that? When I say I'm called to preach, right? If if I were to say that, I'm called to preach. That's assuming that either I'm really, really good at preaching now or in the future I will be really, really good at preaching because clearly it would be foolish for any church to have a a person that can't preach up on stage preaching, right? And the second thing that it assumes is that it assumes that your character is good. Now, Now, I want you to hear me when I say this. Obviously, no Christian is perfect, but at the same time, we don't need somebody that's unrepentant leading a church. And so the... The other thing, again, when you say that I'm, I'm called to preach, that, that's saying that you are assuming that you have necessary character for that. And so it's just a lot of assumptions. Mm-hmm. Whereas in his book, he claims, again, Bobby Jameson, that when you say I aspire, that takes a lot of the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Because now that takes the pressure off of, well, my character may not be there yet, but I can get there. I can grow in Christ yeah. first. And two... Sure, I may not be as gifted in preaching yet, but I can grow in that. Mm-hmm. And so for anybody listening, I would really just challenge your, your thinking of th- realizing that the, the passions that God has given you are, are something that you are meant to grow in and not something that you're supposed to just claim. 
yeah. of, oh, I'm called in this way. No, say I aspire because, again, that takes a lot of the pressure off. Yeah. And so for me personally, I think, again, that book was really, really helpful because it says that, you know, for those wanting to aspire to be pastor, you know, what what is the what is the list he uses over and over and over again in, um, in the scriptures? But it's in, it's from Titus. Yeah. And that's the book that he, again, uses in the book to um, really just challenge people that want to be pastor. And so, again, I'm, I'm going to find it. It's Titus 1. I'm having to turn there. I had it open, and then it flipped away. So Titus 1, verse 5. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put, remain, put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Now, that word elder there, um, just for clarity, you're going to find the word pastor once in Scripture. It's in Ephesians 4. And so generally speaking, when the word elder is referenced, it's usually referring to leaders in the church, right? Which we would, again, in our modern context, say are pastors. And so he says, uh, appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Verse 6, if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must, be, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also able to rebuke those who contradict it. And so really for me, as I've, I've walked in my you know, aspiration. And I, I see uh, that the Lord has gifted me in this way. What, what's the clear call from scripture to walk in? But when you mention again, you mentioned, you know, you have these big dreams, you hope to be a pastor in the future. Um, and you're, you're, you're serving in your modern context right now. Again, it's be godly. That's, it's really the, the two words, be godly. Because again, look at that list. So many of those things revolve around your character. You know, it's, it's that you would be not quick-tempered. That means that you, you're not getting angry easily. You're slow to anger. You're not arrogant. You're not, you're not prideful. You're not thinking that you're better than other people. You're not a drunkard. You're not um, getting drunk on alcohol. You're not violent. You're not abusing other people. Like Clearly, the, the, the key to walking in your gifting and, and looking forward to the future use of your gifting, again, is just to be godly right now. And so I would, again, challenge for, for anybody listening who wants to be in ministry in the future. Think about this, think about this really quick. My, my, my guiding question for in, in my life when I'm thinking about, you know, one day I hope to lead a church and to, to lead a congregation. It's just to think about this. If I were leading a church right now with my character, would the congregation of the church be look, look more like Jesus today? Or would they look less like Jesus if everyone followed my example, yep. right? Because if, if you were honest, if we were honest with ourselves, if our character is not in a place where we would say that people are looking more like Jesus, if I were to step in as pastor, then we're not really ready. And mm -hmm. so I, I think, again, that, that's just my charge for, for anybody listening. My, my dream, again, is to be a teaching pastor, to be leading a church every week, to be preaching, right? Mm -hmm. And for right now, when I'm not doing that, what, what is my charge? Again, it's to walk in godliness. Yeah. Because, again, the, the calling, again, we, we, that we talked about earlier, it assumes that, that you're godly. 
Mm. And so if, if you want to be in that space, you need to, to live a godly life because that's the instructions we find in scripture. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of our listeners are, are college students within, within our ministry. Um, and I walked alongside you, uh, throughout that journey of yeah. the two, two and two years, two and a half years. Yeah. Um, and so I guess just like what through, you've walked through, through leadership positions and getting involved and plugged into communities and, and things like that. Like what was the biggest thing that stuck out to you that you've learned through uh, your college years that might serve as uh, an encouragement for uh, people later on in their college life, or even if they're just starting like things that they can be looking towards um, or looking at as, Oh, maybe I should keep my eye out on this. Um, and, and just a way in which God has moved or uh, just personal development. Like what, what are some things that have stuck out to you with your life, brief life in college, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Again, just for uh, for those listening, I'll give you even some more information about me. Again, I when I was a freshman, um, so for those of y'all that know Jared Rack, Jared Rack and I went to the same high school. Um, and there was another guy that went to our high school that was a year older than us. His name was Andrew Steiner, for those of you that are listening and know Andrew Steiner. But Andrew Steiner, who was, again, a year older than us, he started serving at this organization called the BSM, the Baptist Student Ministry. Excuse me. And a lot of people have probably heard about that. And so Jared and I, our freshman year, we got, excuse me, plugged into serving the BSM. We were involved in a journey group, which was pretty much like a, a weekly Bible study. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started serving the next year as sophomores. We were journey leaders, which basically meant that we were Bible study leaders. Yeah. Um, and then after that, that was uh, basically from my so- all of my sophomore year. And then my junior year in the um, the fall and in the spring, I was a Bible study leader year. And so that, that's kind of the, the leadership positions I've had. And then obviously I started being a resident in, um, that spring, this past spring. (laughs) And so really as I, um, did all these leadership positions and, and things came and went really, what was the, the thing that really just anchored me through it all again? I, I I have to say that it was God's word because growing up when I was in Sunday school, I had a teacher that, that said, you know, by the time you're 18, you should probably have read the Bible through once. Mm-hmm. And of course I looked at her and I said, you're joking, right? Like that's not, that's impossible. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I was like, there's no way, like you, you don't know me. Like the, I, I, I don't, I can't like, I don't care enough. Like there's no way I'm not reading, not reading Leviticus. <laughs> ain't, ain't no way I'm reading Leviticus. It's a good book. Right. Ain't no way I'm reading Second Chronicles. Yeah. Of course, that's as a kid, that's what I was thinking. Yep. And for all of high school, I, I, I would read the Bible, but it was really more for my own for my own pleasure. It was really more for just boost like... Boost your ego a little bit. Boost my ego. Like just, I, I need something from God right now. I'm going to read the Bible. Yeah. And yet what really changed in my life is that when I came to college, I made the decision that I said, you know what? When I, when I got serious about my faith, the, the key thing for me was that I said... I'm going to submit myself to the scriptures. I'm going to read the scriptures in all of their entirety because my Sunday school teacher, she said I I should have done it by then. And why? Because it, it worked for her. Like it, it benefited her. And so maybe there's something that I'm missing here. Hmm. And so freshman year, I, um, I want to say it was in the September or October. I think after I had probably, you know, got settled in college, not saying I should have waited then, but I think that's just what I did. But I got, I started reading the Bible in its entirety. And I can say that that freshman year, I read through the entire Bible for the first time. 
And it changed me. Like it, it totally changed yeah. my life because before when I would read the Bible again, I, I, I didn't really understand God's heart. Mm. And yet once I read, read the Bible through the whole time, the, 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 the perspective that I had about God changed. I realized that God could be trusted, that God w- was all that he said he w- was and that he cared for me in the deepest sense. Because in, in all of the pages from Genesis to Revelation, I saw God's undevoted or undivided, sorry, heart for his people. Mm. And so really, again, I, that freshman year, I, I read through the Bible once. Again, it was not easy. I mean, um, you know, like I said, Leviticus was hard the first time. Um, first Chronicles was hard the first time. I didn't really understand it always the first time. Yeah. And yet God ministered to me by his spirit through his word. He always does. You know, fresh, so a freshman year, I read it all the way through. Sophomore year, you know what I said? Okay, I'm going to read it again. Why? Because, again, all scripture is useful for, for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. It doesn't matter how many times you read it, but all scripture is God-breathed and useful. Yeah. And so I read it again, sophomore year. You know, junior year, I, um, so that was last year, I read it again. And so now I'm, I'm coming on, I'm on number four. And I would say that more than serving in any leadership position, the mm-hmm. thing that has ministered to me the most is God's word. That's good. And we, we can never get away from that, yeah. right? Like I, I'm, I'm all for serving in organizations. I'm all for serving the local church. I'm all, I'm all for, you know, um, getting involved in the BSM, right? I'm all for those things. But if, if your main ministry or if, if the main way that God is ministering to you is not through his word, then you're missing out. Yeah. Right. Like, again, I want you to hear me when I say this. And for those that are listening, God ministers to us through our friends. God ministers to us through um, our, our pastors or through our churches. And yet more than that, God ministered to me every day when I would open his word yeah. and submit myself to it and say, okay, Lord, what do you want to say to me in this? Because it's living and active, it's good. right? Like the promise is that God's word is living and active. Not that, you know, that my friends are always going to be living and active. Mm. And that's a hard pill to swallow. But again, my encouragement to you is really just devote yourself to reading God's word. Yeah. Because you will be amazed at what God will do in your own heart in an understanding perspective and just an obedience thing. Mm. Like for the longest time, again, I, I didn't really have growth in my Christian life. Because again, I would say that I was a Christian for most of high school, and yet my faith was stagnant. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't really growing. I wasn't really serving Him. I wasn't really loving other people well. Um, I wasn't really, you know, sharing my faith. And mm-hmm. why was that? Why? Because I wasn't rooted in God's Word. Yeah. And so again, I'm really harping on this this point, but you're not going to grow in your faith if you're not in God's word. And God's word is the the paramount way that God wants to minister to you. Because again, you know, we, I, I like to use this word a lot, but it's, it's special or this phrase, special revelation, right? We, we see that God has revealed himself in the person of Christ, right? But God has also equally revealed himself in his word. Yeah. And yet, the thing that frustrates me as, as Bible-believing Christians is we, we wholeheartedly affirm the divinity of Christ. We wholeheartedly affirm that Jesus is wor- worthy of worship and worthy to be praised, and yet we don't honor God's 
also special, unique revelation of God's word, of the Bible. Yeah. You know, in fact, we just, we tend to neglect the Bible mm. because it's, it's too hard to understand or because it's too long or because we just don't really want to. And yet it's God's unique word to humanity. Yeah. Why do you neglect it? And again, my freshman year, I, I began to, to dive deep into reading God's word from cover to cover, mm. and it changed me. Yeah. And now I can say with, with 100% certainty that I like the book of Leviticus, <laughs> right? Like I like the book of, Chron- of Chronicles. Yeah. The, um, the genealogies, right? Like a lot of people I've talked to, they hate the genealogies, mm. right? They don't see the purpose and why are the genealogies there, like, why would God feel the need for our sake to just mention all these names? And yet when I read those genealogies now, I'm reminded of just how God was faithful to those people. Yeah. Right? I, I, I begin to um, realize and see that God was, was faithful to them, even though all of these people that he just mentioned were sinful and wicked. And yet God was faithful to bring from them the line of the Messiah. Yeah. And the same thing with Leviticus. Again, I'm, I'm going on and on, but Leviticus, we, we read over and over again. All At the beginning, it was just all these laws. Like, how can that be for my good? Like, I don't care, was my opinion when I first read yeah. it. Yeah. And be honest with yourself to say that that's, that's natural. Like, many people that read the book of Leviticus would well-believing Christians that, again, love Jesus with all their heart would say, I do not care about the book of Leviticus. Yeah, I don't. And yet through reading the book of Leviticus and again, reading the Bible in its entirety three times now, I can say that I love the book of Leviticus. Why? Because it points to me, my, my great need for someone to cover my sin. That's Mm. the whole point of Leviticus that, that sins got to be atoned for and that the law works. And I realize now that, that Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice and it makes me super grateful because I don't have to offer a sacrifice every day. Yeah. I don't have to offer the, the blood of goats and rams or sheep mm. because Jesus' sacrifice is enough. And so really just in, in your reading of the Bible, I really encourage you to read it all because you're going to be amazed at how much you love Jesus after reading the entire Bible. Mm. It's such a beautiful ministry that God through his spirit does to you when you read his word. Yeah, that's really good. And I, I've been firsthand been able to see the transformation that's happened. Um, not that, I mean, I'll use this word lightly, not that you were a wretch. Um, oh, I was, year, I uh, was in, in parts, uh, but you were already transformed by the power of the gospel. And so there, there were parts of you that, that were, um, spirit led and, and God given. Um, but seeing the transformation from, from freshman year, um, to now, um, and the maturity from the spirit that that's taken place. Um, and as you talked about the things in Titus, like those, those coming to life have been really cool to see. Um, and I think it just shows the power of, of abiding within his word. Um, and we talked a lot. Um, we just recorded the last week's episode right before this, um, about, um, walking by the spirit, um, and letting him transform our thoughts and, um, letting the spirit help us reflect on what's happened in the past. And as we look yeah. forward to the future, um, and that can't happen if you're not abiding in his word Yeah, because we won't know his voice. We won't know the way that he works. We won't know his heart. Um, and we start to, to craft this idea of God that's ultimately in our image. It's not the other way around as scripture yeah. calls. Um, he's made us in his image, but we start to begin to create our God in our image 
if we're not rooted and grounded in God's word. Um, and I've seen that transformation take place in your life. Um, and I'm really thankful for the testimony, um, that God has ordained in your life and, and written from, um, gosh, 2001, one, one until, yeah. until now. And is still going to continue to write, um, even though tomorrow isn't promised. And so, yeah. uh, thank you for sharing. Um, I know yeah, it's a lot to the people, but yeah. Yeah. And I think like, again, just looking back again to freshman year, because I think that freshman year is when everything changed. Hmm. Slowly, of course, but everything changed. And I think part of that was, you know, freshman battleground. We had constant form of community and accountability with freshman battleground. Yeah. Um, with, you know, I just remember <clears throat> there was a, an accountability group with me, um, Danny Onaka, which if you remember Danny Onaka, then bless the Lord for him. But <laughs> he's awesome. Danny Onaka and then Daniel Bennett and Saul. And we would meet once a week and just, you know, describe our weeks. And again, I mentioned earlier that God's word was the main thing that ministered to me, but they were right alongside me, encouraging me to get into God's word. Because again, I didn't really have that in high school. Yeah. And so again, my, my call and my challenge for anybody listening again is just to really find friends that are going to challenge you and encourage you to get in God's word. Mm. Because if, if you don't, then you're going to miss out again on that, that life-changing transformation yeah. that happens when you read God's word. Mm. And so really that, that, that was just my biggest growth. Again, freshman year, like, like Zach said, I, I was a fool. Um, if you remember me freshman year, I, I said a lot of things that were stupid. Uh, I, you know, I did a lot of things that were stupid and yet God ministered to me through those good friends who just, again, every day challenged me to get mm. into God's word because slowly but surely um, it was, it was refining me. You know, I, I told this story, um, and, and I'm doing good on time. Uh, we're at 45. Yeah. I'll, I'll close with this. <laughs> I'll close with this story. And I told this, I told this story the other day and I'm hopefully I don't butcher it, but I heard this story once where, um, th this grandfather and this grandson had come back from, you know, getting coal from this mine. And so they were using these baskets, these, these weaved baskets, um, that had a little bit of holes in them. Obviously they're weaved baskets, but they were carrying the coal. And so they, they head home from the day's work um, of, of carrying coal. And, and the grandfather takes a seat down at his home. And he tells his grandson, go get some water in your basket from the well and bring it back to me. I'm thirsty. I need a drink. So the grandson, he, he runs to the well, which is a, a good distance away. And he, and he goes and gets water in the basket and he, and he runs back. But as he's running back, remember the basket is a weaved basket. And so the water slowly begins to, to fall out, to, to evaporate out. And as, as, as hard as he ran, he gets back to his grandfather and there's no more water in the basket. And so he says, I'm sorry, grandpa, I tried to get you some water, but it just all came out. Right. And so his grandpa says, well, we'll go, go try again, go get some more water, maybe be faster this time. So the grandson goes back, he, he runs and he gets water and he, he runs a lot faster this time and he, and he gets water and yet when he comes back, there's no more water left in the basket. And so his grandfather says, well, we'll try again, grandson. Maybe, maybe you can go as fast as you can and maybe there will be some water left. So the grandson goes again to the well, puts some water in his basket, and, and, he, and he comes all the way back this time. And yet again, lastly, there, there still is no water in the basket. And he says, Grandpa, this is useless. Like, I, I couldn't get you water from the well. Right, like I, I wasn't quick enough because all of the water was just evaporating out, or not evaporating, but pouring falling out. out, pouring out of yeah. the, the weaved basket. And yet the grandpa looks to him and says, 
It wasn't useless. Look at your basket. Because remember the basket at the beginning, they had been covered with soot, right? The, the baskets, they had just been in the coal mine and they were covered with soot. And yet each time when he went back to the, the water, to the living water, right? He, he was slowly but surely cleaning out his basket. Yeah. Because when he came to his grandpa that final time, the basket was no longer covered in soot, right? And so I, I tell that story because that story is really a picture of what getting in the word, getting in the living water is like, right? A, a lot of times we, we, we get in the word, we read the Bible, and yet we, we come to other people and we think, well, this was just useless. Like mm. it didn't do me any good. And yet slowly but surely the living water yeah. is ministering to your heart, cleaning out the impurities, cleaning out the soot from your heart and making you pure. Mm. That, that is what God's word is meant to do, yeah. to clean you from the inside out slowly but surely. And I can wholeheartedly say that in, in my life, that is what God's word has done. It's cleaned me out yeah. and made me uh, pure. Not that I'm sinless, but it's, it's made me a lot better of a person. Because he's ministered to me through the word. It wasn't useless. Yeah. Sure, I didn't always understand it. But it was slowly but surely, day by day, cleaning me from the inside out. Yeah, That's good. God's word. Mm. I love it. Hey, thanks for thanks for sharing. Thanks for uh, being faithful um, to to share that. Because um, God is glorified through the sharing of testimonies that's, that's rooted and grounded in the gospel. So uh, thank you. Um, Merry Christmas to you guys. Um, again, happy holidays and, uh, we'll see you guys on the 12 days of Christmas, which is going to be taking place here in four days. Yeah. Um, We'll crown the winner uh, when we come back in January. Yeah, we will see you guys.